Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the December edition of my 2017 One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program podcast series, where each month I take a deep dive into a specific part of a best practices compliance program. In the month of December, I'm taking a deep dive into better written standards, which form the very backbone of your compliance program. Written standards include codes of conduct, policies, and procedures, and we're going to be taking a very deep dive into the design of all of these training and revising and updating. We'll also take a look at the information communicated by the Department of Justice on what specific policies should be included in your best practices compliance program, including policies on gifts, travel, business entertainment, charitable donations, facilitation payments, third parties, and cybersecurity. We'll also take a look at certain enforcement actions and opinion releases to see what other information we can glean from these. My sponsor this month is my Doing Compliance Masterclass. We recently concluded the first Masterclass in November 2017. I'm co-hosting this with Jonathan Marks at Markham LLC. We will be putting on a full series of classes in 2018. Check back for details. This month's podcast series will give you information which will allow you to set up the very foundation of your compliance program. My podcast series on one month to a more effective compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day seven, operationalization of your code of conduct. How can you work to operationalize your code of conduct as articulated in the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs released in February 2017? The evaluation focuses on whether a company has a paper compliance program, but whether a company is actually doing compliance. A company does compliance by moving it into the functional business units as a part of an overall business process. That is what makes a compliance program effective at the business unit level. There are several parts of the evaluation that touch upon steps outlined in this section. So under prong two, senior and middle management, it states the following. Under shared commitment, what specific actions have senior leaders and other stakeholders taken to demonstrate their commitment to compliance, including remediation efforts? How is information shared among different components of your organization? The code of conduct process should involve various corporate disciplines. Your code of conduct should enshrine your company's values. Those are set by senior management and their input and support for any code of conduct project, whether an initial draft or an update is absolutely critical. Under prong four of the evaluation, policies and procedures, it states the following. Designing compliance policies and procedures. As the company's process for designing new policies and procedures, who has been involved in the design of the policies and procedures? Have the business units and divisions been consulted prior to rolling them out? While I recognize this question focuses on policies and procedures, if you take it in the context of the code of conduct, I think it is equally valid. As the question gets to the heart of operationalization and demonstrates how a code of conduct can work to meet the DOJ requirements. As an early part of your design and drafting process, you should assemble a cross-functional team. It's really timely 
to consider if you're going to do a new code of conduct, how are you going to involve the operational parts of your organization in that process? Because there's that expectation exists now, even if it didn't exist in the past, and you simply had the legal department and or the compliance function engaged in this effort. You should gather a team that forms those who will assist in the benchmarking effort, coupled with those who are going to help you look at designs, and then maybe uh, help forge the design of the code. Finally, you can use a group to help in the drafting and redrafting process. It's important to involve people in the process and different parts of the process so that you get buy-in because it's actually a smart move to launching the code a few months down the road. If you bring in 10 to 15 different people in different groups in your organization, then those same 10 to 15 people are gonna be advocates for the code and really cheerleaders when you're out there trying to roll it out. Under prong six, of the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs. It states under training and communications. Form, content, and effectiveness of training. Has the training been offered in the form and language appropriate for the intended audience? How has the company measured the effectiveness of training? Obviously, there are several types of training, including live, interactive, and online training. But in addition to the training, your code of conduct can form the basis of your ongoing 360 degrees of compliance communication throughout your organization. Through a code of conduct, a company has acknowledged certain risks and it can communicate those risks, whether they be legal risk, operational risk, safety risk, business risk, or other risks, through the effective use of a code of conduct in the context of 360 degrees of compliance communication. It can also serve as a jumping off point for training and communications about more focused topics and discussions led by employees outside the compliance department. Think about the power of that, having employees outside the compliance department leading your discussions around training or discussions and communications, not even training, on your code of conduct. When you have employees talking about the code of conduct, talking about your values, I think you are starting a discussion that can only help to more fully operationalize compliance within your organization. You can measure the effectiveness of your training through a variety of mechanisms, including knowledge assessments, culture surveys, focus groups, tracking your internal intranet training, and reporting of trends, and even hotline calls. These techniques can help drive compliance into the very fabric of your organization by operationalizing compliance. Another important consideration around effectiveness for training and the text of the Code of Conduct is translations, or as the DOJ has stated, has the training been offered in the form and language for the appropriate intended audience? This means that even if your company has a English as business only use throughout the organization, you really need to consider the translation of your code of conduct into local languages. Now, certainly, uh, that's going to be more challenging in a true multinational organization if you have 20 to 30 different language groups, but translations into Chinese, uh, West African language, Spanish, Portuguese, perhaps German, uh, even French would certainly be appropriate. Mandarin Chinese uh, can be utilized in a number of countries in the Far East as well. So you need to commute and 
think about that in the context of your training. Are you going to train in the local languages? And will the translations really work? So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, what has been the role of senior management in the creation or update of your code of conduct? Have you been able to engage with senior management? And has that role been documented going forward? Number two, have you worked with employees outside the compliance function to lay the groundwork for fully operationalizing your compliance program through a robust 360 degrees of communication and compliance? And finally, number three, you're going to have to satisfy the new DOJ requirement to more fully show the effectiveness of your code of conduct training. Now, this effectiveness of training deals with all forms of training for all issues, including your code of conduct, your policies and procedures, and other written standards. Nevertheless, as a part of training, you need to seriously consider how you're going to demonstrate your effectiveness. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day seven of one month to better written standards, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day eight. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to Better Written Standards and a Compliance Program. I hope you will join me tomorrow for another episode. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would ask that you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only daily podcast, which will give you a hint or tip to improve your compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. My podcast series of one month to a better compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.